O'Donnell. Welcome to The Difference. It's a podcast focused on the intersection between politics and economics, K Street, Wall Street, and Main Street. Dave Spano, President and CEO of Annex Wealth Management, joining me as always. And Dave, this week the focus continues to be, as it really has been for the past two years, on inflation. But it's not because, well, inflation is going up and up and up and up and up. It's that it's not going down despite all of the unprecedented actions that the Federal Reserve has taken. Yeah, that's right. An argument can be made, Dan, that it's these transfer payments that have been made, that all of this M2 supply, you know, in other words, the quantitative easing being put out there. And by the way, Social Security had a 8.7% increase in spending year over year to obviously try to combat inflation, and that's 66 million Americans getting that. So there is a lot of money that it continues to slosh around, but it would be surprising to me that folks haven't got the message that an economic slowdown is coming. And of course, some of the voting members and non-voting members say we may have to be even more aggressive, and I'm concerned about that because, of course, the Federal Reserve's actions have a lagging effect, and that means that you know late 23, early 24, all of these rate hikes, seven back in 2022, already one in 23, and obviously one very likely in the next couple of weeks, are going to have a lagging effect and slow things down later in the year. And by the way, not only is this economic news is something to watch out for, but the geopolitical risks continue uh, to go on. As you know, President Biden made a surprise visit, and I think geopolitical risks are a part of the conversation as well. That is actually a, a huge risk. And the bigger issue isn't necessarily that, okay, well, Biden was in Kiev and he's pledging unlimited support and, you know, we have no idea as this war passes the one-year mark what's going on here, how long it's going to last. But what really raised eyebrows for me was China apparently contemplating arming and providing financial aid to Russia. At that point, we sort of enter into a proxy World War III here that nobody wants. And I don't think I need to tell you that that would be devastating, not just for finances, but for, well, the world. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. And of course, we're going to have to continue to watch that. And not only what you're talking about, of course, in Russia, but of course, what's happening with Taiwan. In fact, yeah. the Chinese came out the other day and said they're going to sanction the United States for helping Taiwan. So there is a lot of stuff happening right now that is causing concerns. And, you know, it's very difficult to manage money to what we call incident risk. An incident is something like a war would be an example of that, and hopefully we don't get to that, but that's hard to manage money. The only thing you can do is probably get less risky and get more conservative in the event that you might have a downturn. But there's always people who think that's coming around the corner. I can just tell you, my experience was when President Obama got elected, there were so many people who said, I'm getting out of the market. Uh, there's yeah. no way I can get involved and then another set of clients said when President Trump got elected that the world was going to get blown up. So it's very difficult to do that kind of thing. But there is no question geopolitical risk is at the top of the table. But this also sort of underscores that there is geopolitical risk no matter who's president. That's I mean, we right. had uh, how many... Uh, 
overthrows of governments around the world, most notably Libya, when Obama was president. We had the the fear that Donald Trump was going to start World War III when he took out the Iranian general Qasem Soleimani, and also when he was uh, tweeting, he had that tweet war with Kim Jong-un, remember this yep. one, about whose nuclear button was bigger? <laughs> I wonder what that was actually, a proxy war over if you get my drift uh and and now we've got the i think the the biggest risk yet of all-out global conflict whether it's over taiwan or whether it's over ukraine or whatever it is i mean there has just been look no further than the chinese spy balloon which touched off a mini ufo scare in the united states over the past by the way can i just jump in do you remember last week i said is it going to be embarrassing that a lot of yes. these might not be Chinese. A week yes. ago, we said, what happens if they're shooting down weather balloons? Hmm. Guess what? Well, it turns out it's even more embarrassing than a weather balloon. It is a hobbyist balloon. Did you notice how that story comes out in Aviation Week? And for people who weren't following this, there was a, a balloon hobbyist club that would put up these 12 to $180 high-altitude balloons. Mm-hmm. And it's a hobbyist club in Illinois. And the day after this story airs in uh, Aviation Week, and it really starts to get traction and circulation, and they could actually pin the balloon that was shot down over Lake Huron by jets that were scrambled from Madison to the exact coordinates where this balloon stopped transmitting, meaning it was almost certain that the Air Force shot down a $12 hobbyist balloon. How much did that cost? That you get, How much did that cost us? Uh, a couple hundred thousand bucks. <laughs> 400, each missile. 400, 400 grand. 400 grand to shoot down a $12 balloon. Hmm. Literally within two days... You get John Kirby, the spokesman for the the State Department, Admiral John Kirby, comes out and says, we may have to accept the fact that we may never be able to recover this debris. Of course you won't, because it's obvious what was shot down. Just in case you think that America's military or any country's military is this omnipotent force, remember, they can be fooled by a $12 craft balloon from Illinois. Yeah, Just that, hilarious. Yeah, it's not good. But, you know, let's, let's take the other... That is funny. But let the other side, of course, is, you know, that there is now a level four advisory for Americans to leave Russia. So there, there's no question that, you know, as that crap is going on, there is the other side of the world, which is truly a concern for the generals of the world. When there is this level of concern, do we see that reflected in the market more or do we see the the machinations of the Federal Reserve and interest rates? Because it seems to me as as someone who is sort of uh, obviously been investing for quite some time, but really focused on markets and all that stuff within the last you know seven, eight years as I started to do talk shows and such. Uh, it seems to me that geopolitical events, these sort of black swan events, they do when they're truly earth shattering, right? Like obviously 9-11 had a dramatic and long lasting impact on markets, but it seems like the markets, especially since they got addicted to 0% interest, are far more affected by what the Fed does than what Vladimir Putin might do. There's no, there's no doubt about that. At the end of the day, the valuation of a security is based on interest rates, not only 
bonds, but stocks and real estate all are definitely tied to the interest rates that are out there. And so all of this, you know, 14 years of quantitative easing, no question pushed up risk assets, asset values for those who had them. So you can make an argument to the fact that a lot of people who didn't have risk assets did not participate. Now they're going to turn around and raise interest rates, of course, and that is going to hurt the people who have less. It's going to hurt them more. But to, to your question, there's no question that interest rates and profitability of a company, if a company can sell more stuff, more widgets, whatever it is, and get more net income, that is the bigger determinant of evaluation. So there's no doubt those are concerns. But to your point, there's no doubt in the short term that this unrest allows either risks or opportunities. You can say, boy, I want to go buy Lockheed Martin or Raytheon or some military stock or buy utilities or staples because we're headed to a slowdown and get away from discretionary stocks. But right now, Dan, a lot of that is not coming to fruition because all of the facts that are in front of us are either the Americans aren't seeing it or they're not buying into it. They continue to spend. They continue to travel. They're continuing to go out. So, uh, you know, maybe they're just after COVID, maybe people are starting to think slightly differently. Well, I think so. And I th there is just so much pent up demand. I mean, we saw people, you know, we, we tend to forget, Dave, because we live in areas and we live in a state that rebounded from COVID, that came out of the hibernation lockdown lifestyle a lot earlier than most areas. But there are people who for a full year we're living like shut-ins. I mean, it's it's almost foreign to think of, but I would talk to people in Illinois or New York or California, and they would say, you just couldn't leave the house. Everything was shut down for a year. Yep. I mean, that's so foreign to mm. us, but that is the reality. And now what we're seeing is people in those states, obviously much bigger populations, really coming out with a lot of the money that they might have saved up from not going out to eat, from not going on vacations. And that's also, I think, fueling this this massive price increase. Yeah, pent-up demand. There's no doubt about that. And, of course, that, that is true. I mean, there's parts of areas that we know of that never changed their behavior. I mean, you went to right. the bars, you know, three years ago, you know, and, of course, uh, March and April and May, and right after that, the bars were full. So, you know, there was people how people reacted to it. But I do agree that a lot of this pent-up demand continues to happen. You see the airports are full, people are traveling, and, of course, that is an opportunity, right? You say maybe I should look at some discretionary stocks or some military stocks, but all told together. When we go through and we do an assessment of people's portfolios, perhaps people that are not clients, we go through line by line and say, what? why do you own this particular security? Why are you in you know, a tech stock that's cutting uh, employees, for example? Why aren't you in energy stocks? And by the way, did you see this, which blew me away? The Strategic Petroleum Reserve, they made a pitched to release more Strategic Petroleum Reserve uh, in the why? last week. It's shocking. It's absolutely shocking to me. What possible reason could there be? Well, you know, I thought before, uh, you know, the election that it was a, an election stunt, right? But when I read that they are going to send out more strategic petroleum reserve when we have energy issues around the world, and at the same time, by the way, Russia is cutting down. They already said 500 million barrels and likely more. So, I mean, at the same time, you've got millions of, of online of energy coming offline. So what do we think is going to happen to energy prices when the driving season picks back up. So that's... Well, that's a great point. Yeah. I mean, we're, at, we're, 
we're seeing we're seeing what gas prices in the mid threes right now. We had a record high of above five dollars a gallon when we hit the driving season. What June right. uh, of last year? I don't know if it's going to get that high, but if things really heat up with the Russia Ukraine war and they cut further, and we still have a presidential administration that absolutely refuses to increase domestic production, and this is sort of at the heart of all of this, that when we're more dependent on less stable countries for the global energy supply, you see what happens to global prices. If you think our prices are out of control, Dave, look at what they're paying in uh, Europe. Yep, for I, sure. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely And of course, uh, because of, of Russia, right? And But here, here right, it is. Because, yeah. I, I just found it. The administration announced that it would go ahead with a previously congressionally mandated sale of 26 million barrels of oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve uh, dated two days ago, shocking to me. But anyway, so uh. so energy, so energy might continues to be an opportunity set. You know, travel. Uh, you look across small caps, for example. But go through this. We're not trying to depress anyone. We're saying the economic uncertainty, the geopolitical uncertainty, means that you can't set it and forget it. Got to go through your portfolio and and go ahead and say, why do I own what I own? And this lastly, I just want to touch on one last thing. I hate to say it, but it's a presidential election year next year, and it's already started. Nikki Haley was on all the Sunday morning talk shows, and there was some humorous stuff that happened yesterday as well. Oh, yeah, I loved it. Uh, You had to love Andrea Mitchell basically asking Kamala Harris, hey, why are you and Biden so terrible? A lot of Democrats don't want you to run. Why is that? Personally, I believe that Biden is going to run again, but my goodness, if he were to win a second term, Do you know how old he would be at the end of said term, Dave? 86. 86 years old. If he he gets there. If he gets there. Right. If he gets there. I mean, that's something that is a serious consideration. So it's not just the jockeying for position on the Republican side, which you would expect Donald Trump's running again, Nikki Haley. Everyone expects Ron DeSantis to get in. But there is also some deep concern about, on the Democratic side, whether or not Biden and even the vice president, Kamala Harris, who's in her 50s, but is just genuinely not liked by uh, most Democrats, even though they pretend to, whether they're the best candidates. All this uncertainty is, again, why we always encourage you to know what you own, why you own it, by getting a wealth metric. It's a review of your portfolio, and it's totally free at Annex Wealth. As always, I am Dan O'Donnell for Dave Spano. Thanks for listening to The Difference. Annex Wealth Management is a registered investment advisor. For more information about our firm, please visit AnnexWealth.com. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is subject to change without notice. Opinions expressed are those of the participants and don't necessarily reflect those of Annex Wealth Management, its producers, hosts, or guests. The host of the podcast is compensated for his endorsement of Annex Wealth Management. Information presented should not be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice or a recommendation or solicitation for the sale of any product or strategy. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from qualified professionals to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Investments involve risks. Neither Annex Wealth Management nor its podcast participants shall be liable for losses resulting from decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on this podcast.